the weekend is over. Boston College football still does not have a offensive coordinator. But I'm looking at this roster and I'm thinking to myself, with the transfers that have come in and the guys that are on this team, if they get the right hire, there's every chance that this offensive coordinator could be very successful and could increase BC's chances in 2023. I'm going to tell you why in today's episode of Locked On Boston College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black, I'm the editor and publisher of Eagle Insider, part of the 247 Network. This is the only daily Boston College podcast out there. I'm the only man out there will do it. I hope you enjoy this today's show. As we talk more about the offensive coordinator last week, John McNulty was fired by Jeff Halfley. They parted ways, excuse me. And they are still in the process of hiring a new offensive coordinator. I'm in the process of trying to get more information on where this coaching search is headed, uh, but I have not got any new information to release of yet. If you want my big board and Mitch's big board, we have them both up on Eagle Insider for our premium subscribers. You check that out. Before we get into this today's topic, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn helps you Find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. So BC, they've had a really bad offense for two years straight. I'll give, I'll give them 2020. I think, I think Signetti had a decent offense that year and he had Jerkovic cooking. He had a decent, uh, you know, one of the better passing games in the country. Run game was a little bit uh, hit or miss, but for the last two years, it's been atrocious. It's been bear- unbearable to watch the way this offense runs. You had 2021, excuse me, Djokovic goes down. You had no quarterback behind him, The uh, you know, and nothing happened there. They couldn't score. They couldn't do anything because you had no backup. Go to 2022, you had no offensive line, so you couldn't do anything there either. Now you're heading into 2023. And as I said in previous episodes, this is the big year for Jeff Halfley because he's going to put up or shut up because you, you do what you did last year. You're gone. BC has pulled the trigger, pulled the trigger on, on Steve Adazio for far less. And I think Halfley has to prove himself here. Now, he has, as I said before, has to bring in an offensive coordinator that's going to be able to maximize this roster. And I think if you look at this roster, there is plenty of talent to be successful. Now, the big question heading into this offseason was how are they going to address the offensive line, especially in the transfer portal? And they hit it on they hit on it three different times. First of all, you got Christian Mahogany back, all American, all pro guard. He's going to be one of the best in the conference. That's a hit right there. You bring in Kyle Hergel and you bring in Logan Taylor from UVA. You now have three fifths of your offensive line with guys that I I'm excited. And Mitch Wolf is going to be on tomorrow's show to talk about Logan Taylor and why you should be really pumped about him. And maybe some things to, to watch for as well about him. That, that, that part of the ball should be much better next year. 
the offensive line. Be- and that and the the positive here is that when you slot those guys in, the three new guys, all of a sudden the other guy, all the other offensive linemen, the ones you were worried about, the ones that you didn't really want to see out there, they slot into more manageable spots. Guys like you know Finn Durstein and Jack Conley and you know um, Dwayne Alec and Jackson Ness will make very serviceable backups and in ones that you won't you know th- that'll be okay. Like if a guy gets dinged up and you have to go with Dwayne Alec for one game, it won't be the worst thing in the world. And they can they can work with the twos and continue to develop. That's a big big one right there. So the offensive line for whoever comes in is going to be big. You look at the wide receiver position. You lose Zay Flowers, obviously an enormous loss for Boston College. You bring in Ryan O'Keefe, who has numbers similar to Zay, with speed. Nah, I'm not going to give anyone to say that he's got the speed of Zay, because that that's a little unfair. But he's still fast. That dude is fast. He's a burner. You bring him in with J- Jalen Gill and and um, Joseph Griffin and Dino Tomlin. You've got some good wide receivers out there. Running back. Uh, I, I, I'm going to say they're incomplete, but with some good teaching and some good coaching, I think there's some positional spots there that could work. I think Alex Broom with a good offensive line will be dangerous. And Patrick Garwo, he's he's fine. He's not anything spectacular, but he's fine. And you get those guys, they're, they're, they'll need, they need some good coaching. This is what I'm talking about here, right? So you have the wide receivers. You have you know, all these different positions here. Tight end, I, I think is going to be okay. Is it a position of strength? I don't think so, but it's it's okay. George Tackett should be fine. You got some younger guys that hopefully will jump in. And then quarterback. Again, a position where you need a good offensive coordinator. So you see, I, I like Emmett Moorhead, but I think he needs the system court. He needs a system that he'll thrive in. An offensive um, game plan that'll hit on his strengths, his arm, his quick release, his ability to, to um, you know, do some quick reads like that. I think he'll be fine if he does if he gets an offensive coordinator like that. So you get a guy in that isn't like John McNulty was, isn't like maybe a little bit different than what Frank Signetti did, and you can find success with the guys that you have on this roster. I mean, running back, I guess you have a little bit of concerns. We'll talk about why in a moment. And and then you need to see Emmett Moorhead take a big. You know, he needs to take a big step next year. You can't have those Notre Dame games against big opponents, but he also had his moments too, but that could all be helped with a good offensive coordinator. Again, I'm telling you the pieces are there. The coaching staff needs to really um, maximize what you have there, because I think the, if you, if you put the scheme in place that gets the ball to Ryan O'Keefe, that allows that offensive line to start to develop, that gets Emmett Moorhead into some sort of rhythm at, in his first full year as a starter, then BC could be more successful. They're not going to have I, – I, I don't want you to think that I think BC's going to have some top 25 offense next year. I don't see that. I don't see that as a possibility. But they were 122nd last year. BC will be a, you know, a decent team, especially with the schedule that they have, if they can become a top 50 offense and with an offensive line and some of those weapons and more you know, stepping up. I don't think that's that out of that realm of possibility that they could do that with a good offensive coordinator, but Halfley's got to stick his neck out there. He's got to get the right guy. 
Because if he doesn't, and he brings in a guy that has a vanilla game plan that isn't good at at at, at uh, player development, then we're we're back at square one again. And then Halfley's going to be really really sweating it out on the hot seat this year. He's a guy that comes in here, sees what the the talent that he has, the guys that he can maximize, and pushes that button to get them where they need to be. That's why this hire needs to be a absolute home run. Said it on last week's episode. We'll have to wait and see. I'm guessing on Tuesday or Wednesday, we might start to hear. You might get that Pete Thamel tweet where finally we start to hear some names. But we'll have to wait. I, I, I think also for folks waiting for timelines, we're getting close to um, spring ball. Just like John McNulty, I think, was hired at the end of January. So I, I expect this to be a quick search. I, I also sense, my sense too, is that McNulty was fired at the time he was because they probably had someone in mind right away and that they think they're probably going to get him. So I think it could be very quick. So we'll have to keep our eyes open. That's just my gut. That's not me knowing anything. If I find anything out, I've been, I've been starting to reach out over this weekend to find to get some more answers. If I get those answers, I will have them up, up on Eagle insider. And we'll get to that uh, in future episodes. Now in a moment, I'm going to talk about that transfer portal. Marty Party 03 in the comment section wants to know about it. I'll get into it. You want to hear my thoughts about one of the recruit transfers who decided he didn't want to get in with the Eagles. And I'll give you my thoughts on his decision and what I think about it. Now, if you know our podcast, you know about LinkedIn. They're a great friend of Locked On. Now, LinkedIn is... For small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs help you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect them for fast and free. They make it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one and delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. It's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This is Locked On BC. I'm your host, AJ Black here. And we are talking about the transfer portal. And I wanted to get into uh, one of the big news of the weekend. And that had to do with BC losing someone in the transfer portal. And this was a news item that was hot, a hot ticket on Eagle Insider as Baishal Tutin, I think I got his name right, uh, a running back from NCA&T, flipped his commitment from Boston College to Virginia Tech at l- almost literally the 11th hour. Now, with transferring, right, a lot of the the BC had eight guys going into this, or nine guys if you want to consider the. Um, they just landed a long snapper. I don't really can care all that much about long snappers, but he could count too. Um, they Tutin was a FCS All American. He broke the conference records for most consecutive games with a hundred yard rushing. Well, he committed to BC a couple of weeks ago, 
And then the news broke that he, well, he broke it, that he visited Virginia Tech, which if you know how the staff kind of evaluates that kind of stuff, BC doesn't look too kindly on that. But it looked like they kind of went, looked the other way here. But if you know recruiting and you know transfers, a lot of times in these big battles, uh, a lot of times recruits will commit to the last school that they transfer for, for, for transfer to. Maybe it's just that like, you know, uh, stereotype where people just kind of like go to the most recent thing that they think about and have the fondest memories of that. I don't know. But he was at Virginia Tech. He goes to Virginia Tech, visits, comes back. And he still is committed to BC. From what I've heard, he was going to still be at Boston College. Now, at the end of last week, most of the recruits had uh, transfers had already started to go to campus. I mean, classes start for, at Boston College on today. So they needed to get in campus. You know, a lot of them wanted to get in and register and all that stuff. No tootin'. He never showed up. And on Friday night, he tweets out, change of plan, going to Virginia Tech, and then it's got a picture of him in a Virginia Tech uniform. Now, the initial reaction, and I get it, from Boston College fans, is to blame the staff. I mean, it's like almost like a gut reaction at this point. It's just to blame the staff. And I get it. But this, you know, and I, I had heard up until Friday afternoon that they were expecting him to be there. So this was something that caught them by surprise. And I don't think this was a, they didn't know he visited Virginia Tech. Believe me, the coaches know all these kids' social media stuff. Tootin was blasting it everywhere. Everyone knew. This wasn't a surprise to the staff that he visited Virginia Tech. I think it was a surprise that he just pulled the trigger so late in the the game. And I'm not going to hate on a kid for doing this. That's not my, that's not my jam. Like I always am, you know, for kids just doing what's best for them, their families, whatever, you know, but at the end of the day, like this, there is a middle ground here where like you hope that he might've told the, the staff a little earlier because you know where this leaves BC now, because he, he didn't say he didn't, you know, make that official, you know, decision to the last moment, BC can still go out and you could say, yeah. And I have a post up about all the other, um, running backs that are out there. And there's some interesting names that BC could go out and target to, to add some depth to their running back room, which I think they do need. But because they waited, he waited so long, they can't get him in for the spring. That means he can't practice with the team in the spring. He had to enroll, whoever this kid would be, would have to enroll over the summer. Because, you know, you got to go through the process. And the, and the kids themselves, they want to go through the process, right? Where... They're going to want to come in. They're going to want to see the campus, meet the staff, hear about what their potential role with the team would be, how the coaching staff envisioned them, watch film together, see the meet the team, all that good stuff, right? They want to do all of that. And you can't do that in three days before classes start. So that kind of puts BC behind the eight ball. It's not the worst thing in the world, but it still kind of is, is it's not the most ideal. And so this this is a loss for BC. Now they're down to depends if you want to count the long snapper. A lot of song snappers are, are preferred walk-ons. I, this kid's Mike, Mike Wright from Penn state. I think his name is, um, but they have eight. And I think that's, that's with him included. And I think that's where they're going to end up going into spring practice. I don't think they're going to get any more and um, anyone last minute, but well, I don't think they're done either. And I don't think BC's done losing guys either because the first, um, 
portal window ends on Wednesday and ends on the 18th. That means you have to get your name into the portal by that day. I think BC will be done. I don't think I would be, I kind of at this point be surprised if any more BC players enter, um, enter the portal, but I think like it will happen after spring game, after the spring game. I think that we will see, you know, a few guys that find out maybe that their roster spot is they're lower on the depth chart, that they're not going to get where they think they're going to get. And then we'll lose those guys. But I think it's going to happen a lot. And I think BC will end up adding guys as well. So what positions do they need? Obviously they need a running back. I wouldn't mind seeing a tight end. I, 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 think we're going to have to wait to see what spring practice brings along. I think the staff needs to just evaluate where, where they're at. See where some of these young guys, like, as I mentioned, tight end, right? How is Matt Regan looking? How is Jeremiah Franklin Franklin looking in spring practice? Are they ready to be that tight end number two, you know, or is Hans Lillis going to be there? You know, where, where are this position, these younger guys developing, but they're also not going to get anyone until they get an offensive coordinator in here. So they're going to have to wait for that too. Now in our final segment, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, upcoming game against UNC for basketball. And I want to look at last weekend's game against Wake Forest, a game that ugh, really felt kind of icky. So we'll get to that in just a moment. Now let's talk about our good friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the place to go when you need to get your nutrition on point built sorry not for built bar this is uh for bet online what am i doing sorry i'm having a tough night with this stuff bet online is your number one source for sports betting info stats news analysis Woof, aj you're off tonight get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and world cup we've got it all at betonline.net and if you love sports podcasts you can get those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Head on over to BetOnline, where the game starts. This is Locked On BC, AJ Black. We're wrapping up our episode. But if you have not done one thing, I want to ask you. We are like five subscribers away from 700. If you have not subscribed to us on YouTube, just go to youtube.com, look up Locked On Boston College, hit that subscribe button, hit the bell. You'll know when we go live. I record every episode live. Um, I like to do it live because I get comments. I get people who have things that they want to say um, in our comment section, and it makes things a little bit more uh, lively and engaging sometimes. So I'd love to have more of you. If you're listening to this on you know, Google Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, Try us out on YouTube too. Just hit that subscribe button. It doesn't cost you anything and it does help the podcast out a ton. So check that out as well. All right. This is uh, our episode is going to wrap up with a little basketball talk. And we are now in the meat of the ACC basketball season. And the schedule is starting to really ramp up with some really challenging opponents. And you'd hope that BC would rise to that occasion, rise to play better, rise to you know you know get some of their their gameplay up to the level of some of the teams they played like they played miami they played wake forest this week uh, they did not look like they belonged in the same gym in either game against wake forest they got blown out it was ugly 
And I think the most concerning part about the, the, the basketball team right now is that Earl Grant has made his bones about being gritty, not pretty. That's his, that's his, his tagline. The thing that he wants, you know, he's, he's kind of driven home and you'd hope with the defense with a team that can't shoot. I mean, BC's like a really bad offensive team. You'd hope that on the defensive side of the ball, that's where they would keep themselves in games, you know, limit shots, uh, make it tough on opponents. Wake Forest and in Miami, both shot close to 60% in both of those games. Miami shot 67% from three point shoot three point alone. That is a concerning stat for me. This team is not playing good defense. They're not getting team. I mean, Wake Forest put up 80 plus points. Miami put up 70 plus. This is, this is concerning. This is the part of the team that I'm like, what is going on here where they can't make any stops. Now Wake Forest and Miami are good, but BC should be able to hang like in the game with them against Wake Forest by the second half, it was out of control. And I I'm starting to worry about this. And, and some of the things I'm also worrying about, it doesn't seem like Earl Grant has a very good handle on his rotations. Like every game, it seems like it's a different thing. And like, you don't get any rhythm when you do that, when you're like cycling in, like, Oh, this guy's going to start. This guy's not, and this is going to be the first guy off the bench. No, this guy's going to be the first. Like when you watch good teams, you know, the rhythm of their bench, you know, the rhythm of their rotations. BC doesn't have that right now. And that is concerning to me because it seems like it's just kind of all, you know, throwing crap against the wall and seeing what sticks. And that's not going to win many games. Now, the Wake Forest game, as I said, I don't have much to say about it. It was ugly. It was not watched by a lot of people. And Wake just blew them out of the building. It was nice retribution for the Demon Deacons to feel like they could come back against a BC team that beat them in the ACC tournament last year. You know, and they did. They played very well. I mean, that Tyree Appleby um, transfer from, from Florida, he looked really good. He looked really good. They got a good good team over there. Now, it doesn't get any easier for BC. Now they go to Chapel Hill. They go and they have to face Armando Bacot, who could also be the best player in the country. A big center who it's gonna it's gonna be a heck of a time for BC to stop any you stop him with any of their guys. Quentin Post has been okay, but BC got Badgered in the paint by Wake Forest. I, I forget what the scoring difference differential was, the like twenty three to five or something like that. Um, in the paint, it was bad. It was really bad. Now they get Bacot, who is playing hurt. They didn't think he was going to play last game, but he played. How is BC going to stop him? Is this just going to be another blowout? I feel like this is going to be another loss where they lose by fourteen to sixteen points. Um, it's it's tough to watch. They're they're tough to watch right now. You know, you the hope going into this part of the season was, yeah, you had the UNH, the main losses in the Tarleton State, but you were hoping that they would start to develop, maybe find some identity, especially when you got Quentin Post back. You're hoping, oh, you know, this is where they figure out how to get their offense going. They've got their big guy. That's the big missing piece. Clearly, it's not that. They're missing more than that. They're missing shooters. They don't have anyone who can shoot. They're missing offense, and their defense is bad. It's not a good team right now. They got to figure something out fast before the season starts to slip away. Well, on tomorrow's show, I'll give you my reaction uh, to the UNC game. We'll talk about what happened in that. We're going to also have Mitch on. He's going to talk about Logan Taylor, the transfer offensive tackle. He's got some thoughts about um, his um, coming to Boston College as well. This is AJ Black. You can follow me on Twitter at AJ Black underscore BC. 
I hope to talk to you again soon. Take care, everyone.